0: This is the Game Changers experience. Deep dive conversations with leading business disruptors, Olympic athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs and influencers from around the world. This show will teach you insights about the winning principles in mindset, productivity, marketing, branding, entrepreneurship, business strategy, and more. Hosted by Productivity Authority, business strategist, former elite athlete, author, and public speaker, Adam Strong.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Game Changers Experience with myself, Adam Strong. And I'm here, to get, here today with the amazing Gavin Preston. Gavin uh, has actually worked with on a previous project with myself. If you ever had listened to the Game Changers Summit, Gavin was also part of that project uh, with 30 of the world's, change, uh, world's leading industry authorities. And uh, so Gavin is essentially is a business strategist but he's also a growth, uh, a business growth mentor, and also a podcaster. He's uh, got a great podcast called Business Masterminds, which we'll tell you about as well. So um, Gavin, just wanna say, welcome to the Game Changers Experience. Thank you so much, Adam. I'm delighted to be here. Awesome, awesome. So I know that we know each other fairly well, but just for the benefit of people from around the world, would you just give us a bit of a snapshot about how you, I suppose, call yourself or position yourself as a business strategist and stuff like that.
0: Yes, the work I do is I help businesses to scale and grow. And I call myself a business strategist because one of the questions that people often ask or always ask once they've got clear about where they want to head to, they ask how, how am I gonna get there? And that's the strategy piece. Um, But my flair in that space for strategy came from the early stages of my career um, in Chartered Accountancy and qualifying with KPMG. And in the final exams, the finals, there was a case study paper. And that was asking you to pull together all your bits of knowledge from the dis- different disciplines of the subject whether that be tax whether it be uh, business growth whether that be cash management or whatever and present uh, a report a piece of advice to a client and um it was the best paper mark, you know, best mark for any paper that I'd ever had. And it actually led the mark for that bit led to me winning a prize for the the best student in the Institute of Chartered Accountants of England and Wales for, for their northwest region in the UK. So uh, that... It's only now you look back, you know, that Steve Jobs quote, you join the dots by looking backwards. Out of the whole accountancy training piece, don't ask me to do a tax computation or detailed accounts, but talk to me big picture about what you need to do to get your business, you know, humming, flying in the zone, then I'm your guy. And I had a flair for it then. And I think what the flair, now I would articulate it, is the ability to join the dots together in a way that makes it work. And when I go into a business, whether I look at some strategy models that I use as lenses through which to look at your business to help to uh, shine the light on opportunities for differentiation, um, or, or whether I'm just standing back and listening to the way that they describe the business and listening to, hey, there's an area of brilliance over here, but they are taking it for granted and so I join these dots together in a way that actually creates a plan for growth, the strategy, the how-to for growth. And then my second part that I do is I engage and fire up uh, the team so that they want to be able to deliver. Nice. So it's a mixture of skill sets really from you know having that initial currency finance background and spending a huge amount of time in the in the behavioral change space with NLP and coaching and exec coaching. Um, and, and then adding on the skill sets around marketing and strategy and my experience around ops. Plus, you know, twenty five years of experience of virtually up until lockdown, every single week I would be in a different business. So I've seen a lot over twenty five years of the patterns and the trends in business. How did you because I know I've met Quite a few people that have made
1: the transition from, I suppose, conventional accountancy into, you know, their passions, whether it be business strategy or uh, coaching or whatever it might be. What was the reason why you decided to leave KPMG and start up your own company?
0: Um, pretty much after, it was, there was one step, oh, um, like one and a half steps in between, and that was working for BAE Systems. So they came and headhunted me after my qualification. Mm. I kind of got on the radar because I'd won that prize. And so they came and they quite honest gave me an offer at the age of 26 that I, I couldn't refuse. So um, I went for that. And what I also wanted to do, Um, was to be able to kind of start to create a a bridge between a CV that just said accountancy and my passion for personal development growth and helping people to you know behaviorally improve their performance and whilst I did a couple of did an internal management consultancy role and a finance role within BAE Systems my bridge that came which was which was phenomenal was an opportunity to Park effectively or pause the accountancy finance piece and take a secondment in the internal or corporate university of BAE systems. So we were working on change programs, we were working on facilitating boards of directors and multi-multi-million pound business units to improve their game. Um at this stage, I was heavily involved in my training. Um, in NLP and coaching so and I managed one of my projects was to introduce a high performance coaching capability to the top 650 directors around the world and I brought in Michael Breen who was Paul McKenna's business partner who I learned an awful lot from in terms of business master practitioner etc and became his apprentice he he came in with a with a stellar team, a first class team um, that included um, you know the famous or the, or the pretty well known author Robert Holden, Doctor Robert Holden, who wrote books like Shift Happens, for example. Uh, Shift Happens, yeah. So um, and to work with a team like that um, was just really accelerating my growth. And I find myself in a position where I was like a duck to water in this new topic area. Wasn't that new because I'd spent three or four years in my own personal time and paid course time from BAE Systems in skilling myself up in the in the field of, you know, Master Business Practitioner of NLP.
1: So I suppose BAE Systems gave you that opportunity, that window of opportunity. And it was kind of this platform where you could, I suppose diversify and, and, and I suppose, you know, kind of develop new skills.
0: To, yeah. yeah, it opened the door to a new world mm. uh, and then to develop some skills and get some experience working alongside people that were obviously more experienced than me at that stage. Mm. But then uh, changing leadership, changing in culture. Um, 2002, I decided to take voluntary redundancy mm. and I set up on my own. And I think in hindsight, even I should have made more – pushed harder to get a consulting job with a bigger firm in this space around organizational development and change and leadership. Mm. Um, but my CV still pretty much said accountant and a secondment. <laughs> you know, so I, I, I did I did find that quite difficult. But I had a lead at this stage from all the work I'd been doing on the, on, on the master business practitioner, the business practitioner program with Michael Breen, there was a, when a lady in the audience was head of learning and development for a city firm, and they were looking for a new coach for their team. And that, that gig became the launch of my, my business back in 2002. Wow. So you've been running your own business for over 18 years
1: now. Congratulations. I've survived. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's really cool. When you're, I was going to say to you, when you were at BAE Systems, did you, what was, what did you really take from that apart from the new skills that you developed? How did you value, was, did you have a mentor or a coach yourself within the company that helped you kind of, because you mentioned about, I suppose, being taken under a wing or being someone's apprentice, if you like, did you look up to anybody and how How did that help you in developing your leadership skills as well?
0: Yeah, there's one internal and one external. So the external one was Michael Breen, and yeah. he taught me a phenomenal amount of how to take the applications or the tool set of operating system of NLP and apply it to a business-specific environment mm-hmm. and also gave tools to facilitate groups of people to problem solve to coach so there were specific disciplines given through that experience and that training that enabled me to apply it with groups of people and individuals within an organization mm. so yes and looked up to him immensely and um, he taught me in terms of pure skill set and experience a good deal of what I know uh, in terms of the coaching space and the The shifting, changing, and working with groups, and 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 presenting, etc. Then there was um, a colleague, a friend, actually. He used to be a really good friend of mine who was um, nine years older than me. He'd moved into the secondment role before he'd done or was doing a masters in management learning. So he had some of the more academic processes and interventions that you could use with groups. So. I co-delivered events with him or co-facilitated events with him and to watch the way that he engaged with groups, the way he designed an an event, the way he dealt with the dynamics of a group was really good training. I supplemented that with further training as well. So um, training specifically in facilitation skills um, as well as on top of everything else that I'd done. So yes, having the internal coach uh, to work alongside, mentor to work alongside and the external mentor worked really well for me.
1: Nice. I love it. Now I know that there are businesses right now that are going through <laughs> that are going through some immense challenges right now and it doesn't matter if we're uh, talking about SARS virus Ebola or the recession 9/11 COVID it doesn't really matter which of the worlds um, I suppose uh, you could call it disasters, challenges or whatever it is, but it, has a, it brings a whole set of new challenges for businesses, right? And what, if, what have you noticed? Are there any common patterns that you have noticed in particular that what is it that businesses need to do when they go into what I call survival mode and how does it they need to get into the kind of thriving mode? Is there any kind yeah. of common patterns that you've seen over the years?
0: yeah i think there's some things you absolutely have to get right in order to be able to sort this out so um i use they need cash usually and i've actually turned that into a mnemonic for the four stages that they need to look at that spell cash just to be uh um, memorable so the first thing is confidence you need to have confidence in your ability to be able to get through this to be able to plan to be able to come up with innovative potential solutions to a changing and complex world and, and environment so if you go in with into this with a, we're doomed you know <laughs> you're screwed so and, and actually interesting I'm seeing right now kind of three mindsets from business owners one is their head is in the sand in hibernation thinking that they'll if they pop the head up in September the world will be okay again and it'll all be a distant me- in the rearview mirror. No, it won't. Um, there's another set that actually recognised it won't be like that in September who are paralysed in their thinking because are we going to have a second wave? Is there going to be more governmental supports, whether it be furlough, whether it be further uh, subsidised loans, etc.? What's going to happen to their pipeline of work? When do they bring people back? And they're in overwhelm about, A, the amount of decisions to be made, but to be made in, a, in an environment of complete and total uncertainty which you'd never had to deal with before. And fundamental with this, sorry, in the third group are those that are going, whenever you've got instability, there's opportunity. Here's our opportunity, here's our opportunity to grow market share, to innovate innovating quick. And they're coming to market with, in an iterative fashion, they're coming to market with updated offerings. And for me, the difference between certainly the, the middle group that are paralyzed and the second that are outwardly chasing for and achieve the opportunity is mindset. Yeah. So the C in the in, in the analogy of cash around the survive piece is um, the C is confidence. You've got to have the mindset that one way or another, you have the ability, your team has the ability, you'll find a way through this. And most business owners, at, you know, the journey of business is a roller coaster. and will have had tough times before and have survived that. The second thing you need to do, um, for the A of the cash model, is to be is to analyze analyze. Um, what outstanding money can you collect in from debtors? It's to analyze um, where you've got a leaky bucket in terms of cost running out your business that you no longer need to do, so where you need to cut back, to analyze opportunities in the marketplace, listening to the customers, et cetera. The S is kind of like smooth, save and sell. And what I mean by those kind of three S's is smoothing cash flows is is something that not many organize, those that plan cash flow forecasts do, but many organized small businesses don't. And what that means is that, you could get your cash in at one time, but that comes in sixty days after you've had to pay out a day, uh, at the end of the month for your employees the end of your month you've had to pay out for raw materials then you've had to pay out for overhead you know utility bills or whatever so all your cash has gone out before it's come back in, and that gap is it, is is obviously very dangerous but potentially terminal for any business if you haven't got the cash available to meet the, the your liabilities when they become due. So for example, I went into a client's business last year who had a significant contract that was 80% of their order book and they got paid on this significant contract just in four very significant payments. So there were big tree, peaks rather, and there were big uh, troughs, there were big holes. So what I did was negotiated with the customer that they paid us monthly and then I negotiated, there was four very significant subcontractors in terms of price and contractual value. And I negotiated payment with them, and so it just matched out inflows and outflows, and it smoothed that cash flow out, and it worked. Nice. Nice. It also had, without this, swings as well. If the swings went the wrong way around a VAT quarter, certainly in the UK, then you could actually find yourself paying out a chunk of VAT, which would worsen your cash flow position, um, Uh, as well so it sorted all of that out so the smoothing bit is sort your cash flows out Mm -hmm. then get off off your backside and sell save where you can and sell and i I talk about that and the the final h H, is help you know it's we're all in this together and uh, if we can look for collaboration over competition, then we're going to survive. And I think naturally as the human race, we've survived because we've been able to adapt, but we've survived by adapting in a, in tribes, in teams, in groups of people. And I think that's what we need to be reaching out. You know, On the other side of that question, please, can you help me? Is a reservoir of compassion, of understanding, of resources, of contacts, of of of, of genuine help. You know, so you, so in order to survive, get confident you can do it. Look what's, what what your status of your numbers of your business. Um, look where you can smooth out the cash flows. Sell, get more revenue in, save, and then bring a to people around you that can help you, and vice versa, you can help them. Sound advice they gavin actually, because you know it's interesting
1: because I know that I've had I had a couple of conversations actually in the last few weeks. And one of the conversations was actually with a business who was a bit silly of them actually, but 90% of their business was with one client, exclusivity. And the thing is, because their eggs were all in one basket. They effectively lost that client. And then, the, so, so their business is in like major emergency. Um, have you come across that where you've come across businesses where they've, you know, they've give, maybe given an exclusivity deal or
0: they're working with yeah, one? Yeah, yeah. There was um, a client of mine in the past, I've been working with them on my W business program that I used to run. And um, they manufactured um, picture frames. Oh. And 90% of their business came from Amazon. No. Uh, and uh, Amazon were changing their vendor programs, and they put them. Uh, yeah, they created at this time, a few years back, a program called the Vendor Dropship. Mm-hmm. So Amazon was selling the product as if it was an Amazon uh, product, but the factory by client were dispatching them directly to the customer from the factory vendor vendor dropship. And Amazon made an error when they shifted them over from one internal kind of like sales program, the vendor program to the vendor dropship program, um, all the listings disappeared. And so overnight, 90% of the business just disappeared. And it took six weeks for Amazon to sort of mess out and get the listing back up again. Now, for some time previously, the business had been going well. And I'd been banging on (laughs) going on about um, the very point you just made look too much risk, too much exposure, all your eggs in one basket. And, and they said, you know, with good reason, look, we're maxed out. We, we, we haven't got any more bandwidth and and they really were working very, very hard. So when this thing happened with um, going off the clip, I I always believe when a business is going well and it's scaling well, there's always going to be a moment when my phrase I use is the wheels fall off the wagon. Uh-huh. And every business that I work with to scale quickly, there was a moment where you think, my God, this is working. We've, we, we've nailed this. We've smashed this. And then you get, you know, a complete curveball that comes in. The wheels fall off the wagons, and people go, Oh, that's the end of the world. This isn't working. And I just go, this is meant to happen. Yeah. Yep. You know, before every level, there's a new devil at every level or there's always a breakdown before a breakthrough. And, um, I think it's just as a test. Do you th- so? But but also, do you think it's kind of complacency as well? I think it's I think it's some of that. I think it's oh my god, we've we've eventually, we've magically, wondrous, wondrously found the silver bullet. Mm. Hey, we're sorted now. Um, so in the, back back to that particular client. In that six week period, they got listed on two other platforms, two other sort of selling platforms. And the month then the so by the second month then that Amazon came back on because it was amazon and and they were active on two other platforms, they had the very best month that they'd ever had in their business to date wow so these these kind of uh setbacks usually emerge if you deal with it correctly even better than you than you did than you were beforehand absolutely very
1: cool, interesting question actually because I know that businesses are going through challenges all the time as you've highlighted but i think that what i find from conversations and i'm I'm sure that you probably feel the same as well is businesses that struggle to adapt to change um, quick enough that's the first thing but secondly are there any particular strategic models or um anything in particular that could help business owners and entrepreneurs help them to get them back into, I suppose, you know, back into a kind of a mode where they feel like they're in control.
0: <laughs> yeah, sure. I can, if I can answer the, the to me, the, the, the two quite distinct questions, if I answer the first one about willingness to change and adaptability, um, I've been having, uh, as you know, I've got a great relationship with HSBC and I've been having a number of conversations inside the bank, understanding what's coming back to them from their business customers. What are the needs of their business customers? And, The thing that's coming up at the moment is the need for greater adaptability Hmm. so i've been doing some some research around that and um actually the podcast that went out last um um last week and the one that'll go out to to tomorrow i've done a two-part um on adaptability and so the because the research but what i wanted to dive into because it links most specifically to what you talked about change is them um, the U.S. consulting firm Bain, Bain and Co, um, have produced some work around increasing, um, uh, increasing and developing um, a change your change power, i.e., a companies uh, companies to develop a high capacity to handle change. Mm-hmm. And they're saying if you want to develop that high capacity to handle change, you need three things. They subdivided each of those three into a further three subset, but let let me just kind of paraly, paralyze, par, par, par- paraphrase <laughs> the top <laughs> level. Easy for me to say. So the top level is number one: need direction. What I back to my point earlier on about people struggling, you know, being par, paralyzed in their thinking because of the uncertainty. More than ever, ever you need the North Star. You know, the analogy of your sat nav no matter the roadworks or the roadblocks, your traffic jams, you come up on your, on, on, the journey, you're sat have reroutes you, but it's still locked onto where you're heading. Right. And that's massively important. And I'll link it back to purpose, which is stage one of the strategy compass, which is the second half of the book, the thrive part of the book is based on, but the work popularized by Simon Sinek around, you know, start with why, I think is all the more important now in the midst of the storm. Why are we doing this? Where's our North Star? Where are we heading? Because that helps you put change into the context that Saturn is rerouting us rather than it's changing our whole world. So, direction is the first one. The second one is flexing your capacity. And I've been talking about this for a little while now. I think because we've got so much uncertainty and change, you will see companies seeking to change the proportion of their overhead from fixed cost towards a variable cost. So so, um, people won't need as bigger offices. They'll work from home and just use meeting spaces. Um, You'll see, I believe, employers staffing up in terms of employed headcount to the troughs in demand, And they will fulfill and meet the needs of the peaks in demand through freelancers, through subcontractors, through the gig economy, as as an example. So your ability to flex capacity, month one of lockdown, Amazon, recruit 100,000 new uh, people to work in driving and their distribution centers. And the third stage is building a Culture that is pro change, that is, abs- you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a culture that really embraces change, is a, a change orientated culture, is what Bain and quote. Co- so, not these people that have accepted change as the only constant, these, <laughs> these are people that rush out, grab it with both hands because the more agile we can be, the more iterative and innovative we can be, the more we're going to succeed and steal a, a great share of the marketplace. Nice. Yeah, so direction, flexing your capacity and then building a culture that is really change orientated so you can be very nimble. Love it, very cool.
1: Sound advice. Because I know that you did some stuff with... Because I believe that you did, uh, you developed a program with HSBC, didn't you? And uh, uh, a few years, quite a few years back. And uh...
0: yeah, it's about to kind of start again, but virtually. <laughs> so uh, it was going to start physically, but it's not. It's now going to be on Zoom. But yeah, so 2014, 2015, I uh, had the great privilege and opportunity to. Um, To speak to their audiences of customers and prospective customers. And after a couple of pilot programs, it became adopted nationally and we did 84 events over two years. And that was 84 events all over the UK where they put anywhere between 30 and 175 people in a room. And I delivered an event called Strategies for Growth. And it was very much around what are the strategic trends? What are some of the operational things you need to do to scale your business? uh, What are some of the marketing strategies that are working right now? And then mindset, you know, what are the mindset things you need to be paying attention to? Was it more of a market research thing or was it kind of more of a a workshop-based? Oh, no, it was a workshop-based. So I was doing a one-day workshop for their customers and the feedback was phenomenal. You know, there were people saying it was the single best one-day event that they've ever been to. uh, And, you know, many people... I would say, oh, I thought I'd give it a go until coffee break and I, I'm here all day, this is, this is amazing. So um, because I, a, a, I spent a lot of time working inside the the system the, the, of HSBC, so I knew their world, and then I spent a lot of time working with entrepreneurs and their customers, I knew their world, and so I'm able to really talk the language right, and my my approach is really sort of pragmatic, down to earth. These are the things that have been tried and tested and work, this is where I believe you need help. This is what we can do to help fix it. Very cool.
1: Um, now, I know that you've got a new book coming out called Survive and Thrive. How to, serve, is it Serve, Scale and Succeed in Business? Is that how how, I said that correct?
0: Uh, yeah, how to secure. So that's the survival bit, you know, so how to secure your platform for growth. It's how to secure, uh, scale and succeed in business. Tell us some more about that and why you wrote the book. Yeah, Survive and Thrive. Um, it, it, for me... It started its life off with me sharing the strategies that I'd learned over 25 years and I'd been using with businesses to, in many cases, double them in, in less than a year. Mm. So it started off with the context of thriving. And I was sharing the six stages of the strategy compass model, which is my proven model that I use in order to be able to create that. And the, and the model just brings, nothing in it is new, but it brings together in one place, in a comprehensive view, what you need to scale a business. So for yeah. example, you get books on mindset. And you get books on strategy, but rarely do you get books on strategy and mindset and the operational things you need to do to scale, for example. So I I brought that all together. And then I also was working on the book um, last year in 2019. The world, certainly in the UK, didn't feel like thriving you know with us all the media um, sort of fuss around brexit and around the general election mm. and this was affecting demand all that uncertainty mm-hmm. hey we're somehow getting used to this uncertainty are we <laughs> and, and, and and then i just thought hold on there's some businesses it, it feels to me and it, i know from talking to businesses that are in survival mode so um the, f- the front part of the book was written then really it became the front part which is the survive piece this is before we go on a journey of growth we need to secure that platform of growth and then so that's the survive piece and then there's the whole six-stage strategy compass that will enable your business to thrive
1: yeah because because i know that we i know that um I was going to say you've got your six you've got your strategy compass which i know that we were speaking off air about and how it can be i suppose applied to people to businesses that you know maybe are kind of they're kind of in between places right now because I know that um, some businesses are still stuck in the survival mode, but then there are some businesses that are thinking to themselves, so "You know what? I'd really like to grow my business." Where would for the people that are, for the businesses that are listening in and you know, because I know that a lot of our listeners are business owners and entrepreneurs. What do we need? What? How does these six points of the compass apply to helping businesses grow?
0: The, bit, the first thing you need to do, and we've already alluded to in the cash model, is that um, for your business to grow first, you have to change the, your mindset. In actual fact, mm-hmm. I can give you, we can work out together the right strategies for your business to grow. But unless you um, believe it can happen, unless you think that things can be done in a new way, in a different way in your business, it won't happen. Mm-hmm. So you the the difference that made the biggest difference in the work with those businesses to scale was to uh, was to, was the mindset piece it was to get them to open up to the to believing that we could achieve so much more mm-hmm. than was ever achieved before and when you stretch people in their thinking and then you support that with here's the how you shift people's belief and opinion about what is possible. And that's what I aim to do, and that's why mindset. I don't want it to come across as all sort of soft and cuddly. This is a tool to to elicit performance out of yourself and out of your team. Yeah. Um, if you put a really stretched target on your team, and they go, "There's no way." The team aren't going to deliver on it, and they're not even going to try. So that's where mindset's crucial. Um, then in the how piece, the strategy piece. Sorry, yeah, the strategy piece. What. I think the first thing you need to do now is get really close to your customers to find out, A, how are their needs changed or are changing, so that you make sure that you're still fulfilling or meeting a need. And if those needs have slowed right off, who else could you serve and in what way? So, you know, you're going to have some some customers that are running after-school clubs or soft play centres. You know, how could you serve online? Or do you have to look at a whole different population other than children in order to bring those skills to bear? Yeah, no target market. Do you, do you take it to social distance parties? I don't know, but my point here is if the social needs... parties. <laughs> yeah, for kids. <laughs> yeah, kids' parties. Um, but for if the needs of your marketplace or your traditional customer base has changed, who has a need, who else has a need that you've got the skills to be able to help? And I think that's a really fundamental question to think.
1: Nice. And I guess that's kind of a lot of that's also around market research, isn't it? And yeah. some due diligence as well and things like that. Right. Yeah. What were the, uh, um, what were the other four parts of that compass? So you've got mindset, market research and, and needs. So you start off with step one is purpose. You
0: know, yeah. we, we, we alluded to that earlier on with the kind of the North Star analogy. So um, it is purpose. Step two is mindset. Step three is outcome. In, in other words, you need to know where you're going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're an athlete, you know, you want to win uh, or you want to be on the podium. Um, you, in all of those 84 events, I asked all the um, members of the audience, how many of you here, put your hand up, have got written down goals for your business for the next one, two and three years. 20% or less of the room every single time, you know, whether I was, you know, in Plymouth or Glasgow, it was exactly the same. So, um, businesses haven't got that. So, you know, it, it's pretty fundamental, but so you need to have outcome clear mm-hmm. about what you, where you're going. So that's step three, step four is strategy. And I share with you a number of strategic planning models that enable you to get a new perspective on your business. Mm-hmm. Um, step five is capability. So if we're going to grow, We need to be able to scale our business. We need to build capability. And I break that down into a also handily uh, titled mnemonic called scale. So we'll look at systems. We look at cash. We look at advance, which is innovation, so we can keep moving forward. We look at leadership and culture, and we look at effectiveness, your personal effectiveness and that of your team. So that's step five, that's capability, capability to scale. And then step six is action and accountability. None of that happens unless we take action. None of those results can be achieved until we take action. And we have accountability mechanisms in our business to get the best performance out of everybody. Very good. I know that action
1: is my middle name. You know that, Gavin. I, knew, I know for sure. <laughs> and fast. Very fast. I don't move slow. You know that. It's yeah. all good. Um, I mean, listen, we could... We could talk for a long time. I know that some of the things that we're talking about right now, I mean, it's conversations which could be going on for many, many hours, isn't it? You know, and, um, oh, yeah. you, you know, business strategy, mindset, um, you know, the business strategy compass as well. I mean, there's a lot to take in guys, um, you know, and, and the thing is all of it can be applied for people, whether if you're um, running a business right now that's struggling or if you're running a business where you're on the cusp of something, but you're maybe, maybe there is some, maybe you're scared of taking the next step. Cause I know there's a lot of people, aren't they, Gav, um, that are, uh, maybe you're afraid because of the economies around the world uh, yeah. or the businesses yeah. and things like that.
0: Um, you know, odd, me- I think there's times we have to be courageous and, um, Back to the whole piece around team and working in with other people, Simon Sinek says that um, we can be so much more courageous when we know that somebody's got our back. So, you know, we will be braver in those circumstances. So that's why you need to be a part of, um, you know, either a mastermind with a coach and other business owners mm. or making sure that you're working closely with other people in business that you respect that you can use as a sounding board.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And here's the thing, guys what's really important is that, you know, it doesn't each and every single one of us are on different journeys. We're all in different businesses, and I take that into consideration, into account. But all I say to each and every single one of you is, is it's so crucial to have someone, whether it be a business mentor, whether it be a friend, or just someone that's got some experience that's can, uh, that can help you, that you can bounce off new ideas, because there's nothing more, I suppose, uh, has massive value to to, to what whatever it is. And, and, you know, throw your ego away. Sometimes you have to throw your ego away, you know, because I, I, I don't know about you, Gavin, you may have worked with some business owners and their egos are so big that they, they just see, you know, asking for help as a, as a weakness rather than a strength, right?
0: Yeah, sure. Or they, um they believe that they know how it should be and, and uh, whilst they like they flirt with the idea of coaching or or or, or mentoring or consulting they're not yeah. really open to the things that you've got to suggest exactly
1: you know i i met so many business owners gavin right especially over the last uh, 10 years or so and you meet people that have been in business for such a long period of time and they'll say but that's not the way we do things around here. No, back in 1986, this is what worked for us. No, guys, listen, <laughs> we're in 2020. Whatever worked 20, 30 years ago, trust me, does not work
0: now. <laughs> I have the same debate with my dad, bless him. I'd him to bits. He's knocking on the door of 80. Gavin, what I have over you is the university of life. Uh, yeah, okay, dad. Now, I know I've got more experience than you, more miles under the belt. Yes, but what worked in the 80s isn't working in the 2020s i can assure you so yes i i, I love that debate um and i just hope when i get to his uh, years of wisdom that i won't be adopting the same approach but i guess that's part of them <laughs> Ageing. Absolutely.
1: So guys, um, I hope that you've enjoyed our conversations with me and Gavin, by the way. So let me tell um, you where you can find out more about the book.
0: Yes, the book. Sorry, I was just about to say that. When does your book come out, by the way? So it comes out 30th of July and i uh, really, really excited about this. So to find out more, I need to also tell you a little bit of backstory very quickly yeah, why I wrote sir. it. Um, I kind of grew up in Survive and I've just made reference to my dad now, but he was a full He was a commission only salesman. So he only got paid in a month based on what he sold. So some months, you know, we ate well and some months we didn't. And I was very aware of that stability, instability, sorry, could we go on holiday as a family, et cetera. Hmm. And then when, you know, an entrepreneurial father went on and, um, moved from operating, set up his own business. Moved from operating out of two rooms in his own house um, to taking on a nine thousand eight hundred square foot um, big office uh, premises. And he took set up four businesses to make hems with meat. He worked 14, 16 hours a day, six to seven hours a week. I was in the early stages of my KPMG uh, education by then and uh, and training. And I used to do his cash flow forecast once a fortnight, and then go off down the motorway, thinking, "How on earth is he going to survive until I see him next?" So I grew up with that survive thing, and and I also grew up with the consequences it had on his marriage, over the consequences it had on how little he saw of his children as we grow up, and so I wrote it for. If I wish I'd been able to give him a manual when he was growing his own business, I wish I'd had the same manual when I started mine back in two thousand and two, yeah. because I kind of relive some of what my dad imprinted in me in terms of my own business journey. You follow follow your parents' footsteps in a sense. You do. So, you know, I wrote it for people like, me and my dad who are dads who are putting so much money into so much so much time energy and effort into their business they're spending little time on the relationship and little time with their children Mm. and i want them to have as business owners the success that they've always dreamt of why they went into business in the first place but also have the rewards but not only financially but in terms of time so they can create better quality of relationships while there's still time so that's the motivation or the driver behind it. But to find out more about the book and how it can help you survive and thrive, um, head across to surviveandthrive.cc, www.surviveandthrive.cc. You can grab yourself a free copy of the book. I cover the cost of the book. Um, you just need to cover you. the cost of the uh, postage and handling. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited to get these strategies out to everybody.
1: And, and is that a
0: book available worldwide? Because I know we have listeners from all over the world. Yeah, certainly. It's available worldwide. Absolutely.
1: Great. Uh, I I have to admit though, I I, I do admire people like your dad, you know, because those are the people that I suppose set, you know, entrepreneurs and business owners like us up and, you know, and then we can teach maybe some new things, you know, maybe our children or, or people that we teach and mentor and coach and whatever it is. So I, so thank you, dad. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> thanks Adam it's all good listen, i to listen to this <laughs> <laughs> he's going to listen to this episode of, of of me and you and he's going to be like oh that's so kind Gavin anyway so it's all good um, listen I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversations as always as I always do with you Gavin so guys Thank listen you, make thanks sure that coming. you head on over to um, surviveandthrive.cc and get grab your free copy when does it come out? July 30th did you say?
0: July 30th
1: July 30th. So you get access to that and uh, and and Gavin's giving it to you as a gift for free. It's a no-brainer. All you do is cover the postage. Come on, guys. It's a no-brainer. That's really, really generous of him. Uh, so I hope that you've enjoyed this episode and this show of the Game Changer Experience. Make sure that you plug and play into the next show. I look forward to seeing you guys on the next one. Take care of yourself and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Hey, you guys. I just want to say thank you so much